Today I'm going to look at the, basically the first half of the Gospel reading, just to let you know, and then I'm going to go where, where he predicts his death and resurrection, and then I'm going to move over to the 1 Corinthians 13. I just want you to know if you're going to follow me in the bulletin insert, that's what we're going to do. The first half of the Gospel, and then 1 Corinthians 13 to talk about love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So the start of the Gospel are these words. Taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going to Jerusalem. Okay, to die, of course. To die. Now, the title of the sermon today is Know Where You're Going, but I'm afraid that uh, when when you hear that title, you'll think, Oh, he means heaven or hell. <laughs> because that would probably, when you first read the words, you probably think, okay, know if you're going to heaven or know if you're going to hell. Well, that's not what I mean at all by that title. And maybe I should have picked a better one. But um, the thing is, is um, you already know that. You already know that. You know you're going to heaven. Now, I'm making an assumption. I, I'll give a little disclaimer. Of course, I can't see into any of your hearts. Only God can. But you're here on Sunday morning to be in worship. So I'm, I'm making the assumption you believe in Jesus. And if you believe in Jesus, then you know where you're going. You know you're going to heaven. Okay, And here's the reason you know that. Because Jesus made sure of it. He knew where he was going. And he made sure you're going to come after him. And, and I, this is what I want to I take the time it deserves this morning to really impress on you and me. Come, come, let us look together at the love of Jesus that He has for us. Okay? Before we do anything else, He knows exactly where this road is leading Him. Okay? He's told His disciples at least three, probably more times, that where we're going, I'm going to have to suffer and die. Now, that ought to just about bring you and me to tears. That Jesus loves you that much that nothing will deter. He knows what He has to do for you to get to heaven. To be saved. To be forgiven. And nothing will turn Him away from that road. Okay? Now, how does He know where He's going? Well, for one thing, He says, this is exactly what all the prophets in the Old Testament said I had to do. Okay? This is no big mystery. And uh, just, I thought I was just going to move on from that point, but I think it's important enough that I should at least give you a few instances of that. Okay? The prophets all said, all predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer and die. So, for instance, David, Psalm 22. Remember what he says? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Those are the words of Jesus on the cross. David was prophesying of the Son of Man. Isaiah 53 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with His wounds we are healed. That's Jesus. The prophets foretold He must suffer, be wounded for our transgressions. And then, which I didn't even notice until we said it a minute ago in our introit, Psalm 31, it says, Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Those are the exact words of Jesus, of course, on the cross. 
Be gracious to me. I'm in distress. My eye is wasted from grief. My soul and my body also. Those are all prophecies of the Messiah. Okay? So like I told you, at least three times and more, depending on how you count them, he told them this is exactly what is supposed to happen to me. And if that's not enough in itself, and I, I know you know this, but <laughs> it really ought to just shock us. The, the specificity of how Jesus says what's going to happen. He doesn't just say, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. That would have been enough. But he knows exactly what's going to happen. Look at the specificity. The Son of Man, this is um, verse 32 of your text, will be delivered over to the Gentiles. Well, who's that? Pontius Pilate, Herod, the Romans. Now, how did, you know, he could have just said, the Jews are going to crucify me, but no, he said, I'll be delivered over to the Gentile authorities. Okay, very specific. And then he will be mocked, made fun of. Remember all the times they made fun of him? They, they put the robe on him, the purple robe, the crown of thorns, the reed in his hand, and they, you know, hail king of the Jews. They were mocking him. They would hit him. They blindfolded him and hit him and said, prophesy to us, who hit you? Making fun of him on the cross. If you're really the son of God, let's see you come down from the cross. Ha, ha, ha. They, um, what's the next? Shamefully treated him, he says. They stripped him of his clothes, continually shouted at him, accused him with false charges. They spit on him, says in verse 32. And then 33, after flogging him, they whipped him with cords, the stripes, remember, on his back. And finally, they killed him, crucified him. So, <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to know you're going to die. That's bad enough. But to know all of that specific that is going to happen to you, and to still, and to still absolutely refuse to take any other way because he loves us that much. He could have taken another way. He could have easily taken another way. Okay? He could have, if Jesus wanted to, he could have taken the way of glory. He, he could have been, you know, told the whole world, look how great I am. Okay? I mean, maybe this is too silly, but think of it as a, my girls like to do would you rather questions all the time. Think of, it, think of a would you rather. Would you rather have everyone hate you, everyone mock you, make fun of you, everyone spit on you, everyone hate, you know, smear you with all these false accusations, or would you rather be loved by everyone, hailed as the greatest person to ever live, have money showered upon you, we know what we would rather, but Jesus would rather suffer and die because he loves you. That's how you know where you're going. You're going to heaven because Jesus loves you and sacrificed himself for you. But now comes the real point I, I want to get across from the very next verse. The disciples don't understand any of this. I'll read you that verse again. Verse 34. They understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. Do you know why they didn't get it? Because this way of thinking, this road of traveling is so foreign to sinners like you and me. 
it is so foreign to our way of thinking. They can't possibly, the disciples can't possibly understand this kind of love and sacrifice because they are always thinking about themselves. And if you think I'm making it up, then let me remind you, in Matthew and Mark, what happens immediately after... Now, Luke doesn't give it to us right here, but Matthew and Mark do. Immediately after he predicts he's going to suffer and die, what happens? James and John come up to him and say, Hey, say, Jesus, uh, could, could we sit at your right hand and at your left? I, mean, can, I don't know how to put into words the contrast there. Jesus is saying... I'm going to give myself for the whole world. And James and John come after that and say, hey, Jesus, could we have the top spots you know, in the kingdom right next to you, one on your left, one, one on your right? I mean, that's the way we think. Okay? And this is, this is, again, where this title comes in. Know where you're going. Yes, you're going to heaven. But what route are you going to take to heaven? What way will you travel on the way to heaven? Will you go the way of the disciples, always thinking of yourself, wanting the glory, wanting to compare who's greatest? Or will you go the way of Jesus, always looking how you can love others? This is a radical difference, a radical shift. So I, I have to, you, know, you, you have to notice this in your, I can't do it for you. You have to notice this in yourself. I notice it in myself, and it's, it's terrible. Look at how our minds so often are on ourselves. What am I going to get out of this? We're always asking. When is it my time to shine? We're always asking. When is it my time to talk? We're always thinking. When will people see how smart I really am? When will I be appreciated for all the things that I do and nobody notices all the time? When are going to pe people going to take notice of me? When will people notice how well-informed I am? How many friends I have. How much good I've done. When will they notice how great my children are? I can't wait for that day. This is the way we are. This is the way the disciples... They hear Jesus say, I'm going to go give my life, and they think, what's in it for us? Can we have the top spots? Now think of the radical difference of Jesus. This way of love and self-sacrifice. You have known Christians. I know you have. And you've known it in yourself. When the Spirit has been working in you, you have known others and yourself to, to follow the way of Jesus, to know this way, to put others before yourself, to not always be worried about what you're going to get out of it, but to only think, how can I love this person? How can I serve this person? How can I lift them up? That is the way of Jesus, the way of love, self-sacrifice. Now, if that's still too abstract, well, praise God. Here's 1 Corinthians 13 for us. You want a picture of this love of Jesus? You want a, you want a very clear description of what this love and self-sacrifice of Jesus is? Well, here you go. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to start at verse 4. Love is patient. Love is patient. Um, why are we so often impatient? Because me, me, me. Right? I need to get somewhere. I need to get this done. I'm more important than these people. No, not Jesus. Love is patient. Okay, love is willing for others to go before us. Willing to put others before ourselves. I mean, look at Jesus. Numerous times during His ministry, how patient He is as person after person after person comes and asks for His love and service. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. So often we, um, because we don't have that love and that sacrifice of ourselves, we, our, our initial reaction is to be not kind, to be rude, to, to think that I don't have time for this or, or um, I don't want to deal with this. And so we're rude. We do it to our family all the time. But love is kind. Love, love cares more about the feelings of our friends and our loved ones. It's kind to them. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't envy. Love isn't always comparing like James and John. You know, who's going to be the greatest of the disciples? It's not envying. When, when somebody has something more than us, God has blessed them, it doesn't get angry about it and think it's unfair. Love is, rejoices in all of God's gifts, whether they're to us or someone else. Love doesn't boast. When God gives us something, we don't go around and tell everybody how great we are. Look at what I have. Love is humble and realizes everything is a gift from God and that we want everybody to share in the gifts that God gives. Love isn't arrogant. Well, you know that. Love isn't thinking about how we're better than other people, but love sees that we're all sinners in the, grace, in the grace of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not arrogant. Love doesn't insist on its own way. Uh, love sees that there are other people that have other ways and maybe even better ways than us. Love doesn't demand that we know better than everybody, but is open and listens as Jesus often did. Love isn't resentful. Love doesn't hold grudges and demand that there be payment when people... Love is forgiving and gracious. Love doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Well, how, how does this play into this? Well, if we only care about ourselves and our own reputation and saving our own face, face well, often we will just ignore wrongdoing because we don't want it to hurt our... We don't want to call somebody out for a wrongdoing and then have it come back onto us. But love cares so much about our friends and our neighbors that we would rather tell them when something is wrong, even if it will affect our own reputation. <clears throat> love bears all things. <laughs> Takes a lot of crap from others, as Jesus did. Love believes, hopes, endures, because it has the word and promise of God, our Heavenly Father. So I, I do pray that this image makes sense to you. You know you're going to heaven. You have Jesus Christ and His great love for you and His sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection. You know you're going to heaven. Okay? He knew His job to love and give Himself for you. But I also want you as a Christian to know where you're going on that way to heaven. To know every single day where you're going, that you are going to love and serve your neighbor, to give of yourself for your neighbor. You're not going every day to seek out your own glory, to see how great of a name you can make for yourself. You're not going every day trying to get everybody to see how great you are. But you know where you're going. You're going the way of love. Okay? Every person you meet is a chance to love them, to lift them up, to give of yourself for them. Now, you're not Jesus. I know you're not, and I'm not. We're a sinner. We have limited strength. We cannot love everyone as we ought. But we will follow Jesus. We know the way. We know our job and our life and our purpose that as Jesus has loved us, we will love others. 
The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.